Welcome to the HU Piratship Podcast. It's episode number 38 of the HU Pirate Ship Podcast. I'm your host, Big Rick, along with Hampton Knight from the HU Pirate Ship. What's going on, Hampton Knight, man? How you feeling about that loss to North Carolina Central? You know what? Um, at first, I was a little, little bit, you know, bummed out about it. But to be honest, though, I mean, we, you know, we fought them hard. And, you know, they are three-time uh, MEAC champs, so... You know, if it always goes down to the last play, then, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it because it shows that we're actually pointed in the right direction. Yep, true, true. I agree. I mean, at, I was at the game. Man, that was a bad ending, man. It was, it was, it, it, <laughs> it, it hurt, man. The whole crowd, everyone that was there, was, was, we were hurt, man. But, uh, yeah, the, the silver lining is that we were in there, man. We, we could have, we could have pulled that thing out. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that game, uh, coming up shortly. Um, so as always, we'll get into um, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this game. And also this week, we will um, review the state of the program, just in general. Um, review the the Miac Week Ten scoreboard. Review the Miac standings. Um, check out the Miac Week Eleven schedule. Uh, preview South Carolina State, and um, talk about the Pirate basketball openers. So. It's going to be a busy week, man, so um, let's get right into it. Um, the Pirates are 5-4, and four, um, and in MEAC play, 4-2 and two overall. Uh, we didn't do a podcast the previous week, um, but that week they lost to Bethune-Cookman. That was also a uh, loss at the end of the game, uh, a missed field goal. Uh, missed field goal. They had a short, uh, short um, slow start to that game, and it just actually caught up with them. So, uh, Pirates had hoped to rebound against North Carolina Central, um, where they lost in a close one, 14-6. Now, this was a defensive game, man. I mean, they were blasting each other, man. It was a good game. Hard-hitting game. I mean, they were taking each other out, um, taking uh, uh, friendly fire. Guys were knocking each other out on the same team. It was really like a championship uh, type of game. Um, But unfortunately, North Carolina pulled it out 14-6. Um, so we'll get into the good. Um, let's see. We didn't do a show last week, but we did do. I did write down a prediction. Uh, we didn't. Unfortunately, going to make it to the show. And here's my prediction from last week. <laughs> it said uh, we can and should win this game, but I don't have a good feeling. Not sure if the team is ready to win. And uh, that's just kind of kind of how it unfolded. Like North Carolina Central, we were watching. All those fans in the fan in the stands are watching. Sometimes you watch a team and you just see like, yo, they are clearly better than you, and you just got to hang on and hope to win. But Central, their talent is good, but it's not far and above. You know, it's not like North Carolina uh, A and T talent. They're talent, but they're talented, but they are just a complete team. 
And what they do is they're going to hang around, keep the game close. But as soon as you show weakness, they're going to win. And they're going to take advantage. And that's what they did. They had like a, a nice fake punt, which converted a first down, which I think led to points. Got some timely tur timely turnovers and just actually won um, by keeping things close and keeping things in front of them, man. So, uh, again, the good was uh, I, I thought the Pirates would struggle in this one. But also the good was that it was close and they – Hung toe to toe with uh, Central man. And any other, any other good, uh, any high notes from this game, Hampton Knight? Well, I'll just say from both games. Um, you know, we did stick with it in the um, all the way to the end for both games. And for the both games, uh, we were always we were down in the opponent's red zone with I would say less than what thirty seconds left in both games. You know, those were even though there's no morality in losing. Um, these were, I would say, games that normally we would not have been in. And traveling down to Daytona is always difficult, you know. We have not beat them, I think, since 2006, 2007. And we, uh, I felt that our defense was strong enough once we uh, got the lead at 21 to 17 that we would pull it out. But um, I think that we uh our offense just could not get it together and towards the end of the uh Bethune Cookman game. Um especially right when we were on uh, I think about the four yard line and we threw a, a lot pass in the end zone to a receiver that's five foot seven. Oh yeah man. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't think that uh even though he does have the speed, um and I'm not I I'm not an offensive coach. I would not have done it. I would have probably just had him uh, probably run a uh, a five yard dig route, you know. I mean, depending on where that safety was would would be, but that's why I'm not a coach. Um, but the fact that Adam Brown did miss the game tying field goal, you know, wide left, and I uh, and then to see him versus North Carolina Central hit a 40 yard field goal, <laughs> and you're just like, really, you miss a 20 yard chip shot you know, to put us in the overtime. And I'll be honest, and I felt that if we would have went into overtime, we would have won. Oh, we had the momentum. We had the momentum, you know. And and the defense, if even if the defense, uh, the defense probably would have stopped them and we probably would have uh, either scored or, uh, or made a three, uh, uh, um, a field goal. But, you know, I just do feel that uh, – and another thing I noticed during the Bethune-Cookman um, um, game is we were out a couple of players. Sturdivant was out. Uh, Brendan Cole was out. You know, these are very big pieces on the defense. And Larry Brim made us pay. <laughs> so, you know, it was a good game for Bethune. As far as Central was concerned, you know, um, I think we started off, you know, well because we were up six points in the first quarter. But those just... You know, just uh, the scores from Central in the second quarter, you know, I mean, those are just, I would say, freak plays, you know, that shouldn't have happened. And but we did not help. We held them to no points for the rest of the game, even though that was, I would say, uh, you know, that was a, a, a victory on our part. And we had a chance to tie it up late in the game. And then Delman threw a interception to a linebacker on a receiver. Mm. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would say that's inexcusable. But I would say this, though. Um, our coach said that uh, the play should have been thrown to a specific spot and the quarterback threw it to another spot. You know, it just seemed like it was just a, 
uh, miscommunication between Chase Powell and Delman Williams. And, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> that linebacker just looked like a, a big slow guy, you know. And, you know, if you think about it, that is a super mismatch because Chase Powell will burn anybody. Him being on a linebacker, <laughs> I mean, if that was open, more, I would say open space, that would have been uh, a touchdown because, you know, nobody can cover Chase Powell in open space. But unfortunately, he ran, I think, well, it looked like an out route. And it just, it was just a bad ball. It was just a bad throw by the quarterback. But I mean, even though these were, I, won't, I wouldn't call these things good things, but they were good because. We were we took them to the end of the game, and you know t- we took them to all the way to the last thirty seconds, both games, and we didn't pull out the W. But I mean, I'm not going to say Bill's character, but it just goes to show you that we are still. I mean, the team hasn't given up. Yep, very true, very true. So that's right on, man. So there's a couple of bad things I like to point out. Many of them you pointed out, so I won't rehash you know, some of the things you mentioned. But one thing that was shocking. Um, was the crowd support, man? Like so, it was it was so bad Hampton tonight, man. When I when I um walked in, we walked in and we already had tickets to the game, and uh, uh, alumni old guy who had reserved tickets, like he was like, "Yo, man, you want some tickets <laughs> to the reserve section, man?" So we we got some reserve tickets for free, and but the the ex the section was wide open, man, mm-hmm. wide open for like a title game almost i mean this was like to to you know still keep us in the hunt and and it was pretty empty man and then the end zones were also empty as well i mean you know the home side was decent but it was flat i mean north carolina central seemed like they represented more than we did so that that was um uh that was a little bit disturbing uh the crowd and fan support so I'm not sure what to make of that. Like, there was some talk in the stands, like, has Hampton become a basketball school? Because, like, by far and away, we lead in attendance for basketball. And I guess just because the basketball team has just been winning. While the football team has been losing the past couple of years, basketball team has been winning. So maybe people just checked out and just started to watch basketball. But what's, why, why, why do you think there's such uh, scant uh, fan support, man? Well, I would just say this. I mean... Um, for everybody on MEAC fans who listens and always comments on this, uh, the biggest thing with Hampton is the fact that Hampton always recruits students from the Northeast Corridor, meaning the tri-state area, you know, Baltimore, um, Baltimore and the D.C., the Baltimore, all the way up to New York and Philly. You know, those where I would say the bulk of the students come from. And a lot of the Hampton, Hampton um, students and alumni come from, I would say, largely metropolis cities or, or population center cities. And once they graduate from Hampton, you know, there is not enough industry to stay within that uh, city. So they go back to where they're from. And that was my case. You know, I'm from Atlanta. I went to Hampton. And after I graduated, I went right back to Hampton because there was nothing there. So that is one thing that people, I think, do not think about when it comes to, you know, the uh, alumni support, I guess, each game. And the second thing I would say is that uh, Hampton does, I mean... We have a hit or miss relationship with the community. If you notice, the location of Hampton is not like an A&T or a Howard, where it's nestled right into a large uh, democratic uh, a demographic area, like you know a black area. It's not. 
uh, A&T is in Greensboro, and it's right in the black community. So the community has no issue coming out to the game. Hampton is basically on the water, and it's actually like a, a resort island <laughs> as compared to the city. So, you know, it does kind of feel that it's shut off, you know, and that's just maybe that's geographic right there. And then uh, lastly, I will say this, though, is that this program really hasn't been really successful since Joe Taylor's departure. And, um, you know, we did have an eight-win season with Don Rose, but everybody just kind of looked at it as a, as a fluke. And so, and when Joe Taylor was here, and I hate to kind of have this, oh, when Joe Taylor was here, like he's Steve Spurrier, you know, like when Steve Spurrier, then he had Ron Zuck, and then, oh, Will Muschamp, and, you know, then the other guy who just got fired, Jim McElwain, you know, he had all these strings of coaches. But, but what I'm just saying is when we had Joe Taylor, you know, this was a football school. And even after his departure, it still remained a football school. But I think what happened is, yes, the basketball team, um, it started when Steve Murfield was a coach here. And then we, you know, as, as much as we made the tournaments, you know, with with uh, both the men's and women's teams, especially with David Six's teams and now with Ed Joyner's teams, you know, we have started to become, I wouldn't say we've become a basketball school. I just think that basketball right now is probably the sport that everybody feels the most confident in. And to be honest, though, if football comes back, I promise you, Hampton would be a a football powerhouse because I like when I was at the Monmouth game, there was a brother who sat next to me who was from Richmond to said, I just want to see how Hampton was going to look this year. And he, and he told me, he said, if Hampton's good, I'll come back. And so, you know, you have these type of fans that come to our games. And so they're waiting. You know, they're just waiting until it happens. And right now it's just we're just kind of seeing a team that's unsure of itself. And not, and the fans is going to stay away until they see, you know, a team that is confident. Yep. And, you know, I, I think um got a, one of my favorite sayings from the old Al Davis, the old uh, Raiders owner. And he used to say his slogan was just win, baby. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? I mean, if if the football team starts winning, the fans will come back. I mean, I remember games I where it was standing room only. Um, Absolutely. This was a decade ago. So, I mean, that can happen again. They just yeah. got to win. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of gut punches since uh, Taylor's retired. And, you know, people kind of tired of seeing that. <laughs> so, you got to yeah, win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people are, people are exhausted of seeing that. You know, we... we uh, it's just like you go look across the water over at Norfolk State. Nobody's going to their games either. You know that. I remember. You know. Yo, remember, one quick note, man. They're the second yeah. most. Uh, they have the second best basketball attendance in the VX. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, I just think that I think that our program, both of our programs, are putting you know the resources into both programs. Unfortunately, one of them is just actually performing uh, at a higher level. Yep. Very true, very true. So yeah, we just got to win, and and the fans will be back. So, um, but yeah, that was that was interesting to see. Um, the other thing, man, I mean, listen, it was just weird. Like you could tell Delmon was struggling. I, I don't care what. I mean, I saw the the main press conference, man. Every time he went back to pass, uh, everybody sounds like, oh Lord, why why are we passing? Mm-hmm. Now I know Maynard said there were some run pass options, um, where that means that for the Cause some actually Hampton, like some people actually tell me they listen to this podcast to understand what Hampton's trying to do X and O wise. So that's pretty cool. But a run pass option is when 
the quarterback is really just counting the men in the box, right? If there's yes. like if they're out leveraged, if they're outmanned from a run perspective, then they're gonna pass the ball. If the defense is playing coverage, they're gonna run the ball. So a lot of times, uh, North Carolina Central now the defense knows this too. They know if they put men in certain places, then if Delmon has a check, he's gonna check out of the run and pass. So they forced him to pass, and he kept passing. <laughs> sometimes with good results, sometimes with bad results. Um, but you know, even though if you give people a run pass option, sometimes I remember I've heard coaches say, "Yo, just run the damn play that I call. Do not <laughs> check out of that play." And um, I think that. They should have got more shy and yaki because, man, I'm telling you, nobody wants to hit shy. I mean, there were guys literally bouncing off him um, trying to tackle him. So I, I don't understand why they didn't get more um, shy and yaki in the game, especially they were running at a good clip, too. I mean, there were some drives where they run all the way down the field and then they want to pass in the in the red zone. So that, that was uh, interesting strategy there. And then again, the special teams provided no advantage. Uh, whatsoever special teams has been a, a net minus for the entire year i mean sometimes at some point it has to be an advantage if you're going to win games and in this kind of defensive struggle special teams could have helped flip the field like it did for central it did nothing for us so uh that didn't help there man so i don't know else bad to mention here you anything else that i that i mentioned i forgot to mention no, you did not forget to mention anything. You know, we did talk about the crowd support, the 48 passes, not enough shy, and the special team coverage. But I will say this about the special team coverage. Um, we it, you, we, we should have had a – see, the thing is, if you have at least one return or a return that at least nets you uh, at least uh, a 30 to 40-plus, you know, uh, return or – what um, the coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers says, uh, what is his name? Uh, I'm sorry. He was just at Hampton. The God. The, the brother. Yeah, the brother. Yeah. Oh, God. You're going to make me think. Oh, oh God. Anyway, the head coach, he always talks about this when he talks about his teams. He says idea of flipping the field. Uh, the fact of the matter is if you could, like, if a punter could punt maybe on his 10-yard line, and the ball crosses the 50, gets a good bounce, and it's all the way down to the 30 to 20. That's called flipping the field. We do not have that capability with our teams. Or, you know, and vice versa, if we're receiving a punt, and if we take a punt, you know, let's say like at the 20 or at, or maybe a little bit behind the 20 at the 15, and you're able to at least uh, move it past midfield, you know. These are the type of things that, um, the special team units we have not seen this year. And that, you know, takes pressure off the defense. It takes the pressure off the offense because now they're starting, you know, with great field position, you know, instead of starting, you know, maybe at their 20. You know, these are the type of things that we have not seen this year from this team. And a lot of it is, you know, you can't really say that we don't have good return guys because Alden Knight's a great return guy. <laughs> Uh, Ronald Bell's a good return guy, and Chase Powell's a good return guy. I just think the ball just has not bounced our way there. Um, another thing is that uh, the fact of the matter is we always talk about this. We don't have a tight end. We did see, you know, some tight ends play when we played FAMU, uh, but 
we do not have a true tight end on the roster that could stretch the field. You know, a guy that could, you know, run, um, run <laughs> that can stretch in between the scenes between the linebacker and the DBs and the linebackers and the safeties. You know, I do think that will take a lot of pressure off of Delman, you know, especially because the tight end is the closest receiver to the quarterback. You know, so these are the type of things that we um, have not missed. We've missed. And also, especially on running plays where a tight end, you know, who could be more of a, a, a another blocker, I would say a six blocker on that offensive line, you know, that can open up holes. That, those are the things that I say that we are missing out, you know, completely. And, you know, I think that will pretty much take the pressure off of our QB. But as of now, you know, I mean, right now we're just playing with what we have. Yeah, and, and one you're right about the returns. I think we have good returners. But I noticed too, yo, know, the 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 return blocking is awful. So yeah. as soon yeah. as they catch the ball, man, they the, the the coverage team is on them with the quickness. So I'm not sure what that is. Sometimes you think it's depth or scheme or whatever, but it's cuz normally your starters aren't on uh, special team, so that's your backups, and maybe they're not strong enough or whatever. But they they are terrible at setting up blocks for the returners. So another thing to get squared away um, during this off season. So so man, just in general, Hamptonite. I mean, which way do you think the program is trending? I mean, there are two games left in this season. I mean, you know, assume they win both, or assume they split. Worst case, they scenario they they lose uh, both games uh to finish out but just assume that you know they split or win both like which way do you think the program is headed and you know how should we feel going into the off season um i will say this personally um i think that the defense this year is given um giving this team some hope uh the fact of the matter is that um we have not had a uh, I would say we've not really had a quarterback. You know, Maynard has not had a quarterback since he's been here. So he's had to live with J.J. Williamson <laughs> for two, two, two seasons. Then he had a, I would say, a mercenary with uh, David Watford. And uh, we had a, ble- a brief flirtation with uh, Jarrell Antoine, you know, who uh, didn't qualify academically. So... Um, I, to me, I think a quarterback is probably uh, the key, you know, as we look at Howard with Kalen Newton and the kid over at uh, at A&T, you know, those guys are, I would say, difference makers, and we do not have one as of yet. But if I the, uh, assess the overall program, I would say it's trending upwards because um, I do like what we have with our offensive line. You know, those guys could actually put some holes in. Uh, they actually uh, can are very good run blockers. I do like our defensive line. I do think that Marcus Dixon has really uh, uh, come in and lend his, his expertise to that defensive line. So, and I think Connell Manor started to figure out that I got to build with an offensive line and a defensive line and just build inward to outwards from there. And I just think that that is probably sound coaching. I do think that, uh, I mean, just that schematically, I think that works. As far as recruiting-wise, I do think that he needs to recruit a quarterback that 
fits his system. You know, we did uh, recruit Brendan Green. He's still young. And Delman Williams, you know, he is, I would say, a a, a quarterback that still needs, uh, you know, still needs help. You know, he, he needs uh, talent around him for him to flourish. But that is, I think, recruiting is probably where, you know, where we need to go. And I do think that we are actually seeing, you know, pieces come together, especially on the offensive line, defensive line. And I would say that it is trending upward um, because we've been in uh, every game this year. This, these weren't blowout games. Uh, we uh, th- These are his players. And I do think that uh, I've seen enough to say, okay, I know what he's trying to do. He wants to be a power team with uh, a quarterback that's able to uh, put the ball on the money. And I just hope that he gets his players. That's all. Right. Right on. I mean, I think there's, we can like, we can all agree that the program is better than where it was when Maynard started. (laughs) Yes. Um, No doubt. I mean, you just look at the team. They are, they look the part. Um, yeah, they do. They, they are big. Yep. I mean, we have – I hate to interrupt. The, another thing that I've noticed about this team is we – our offensive line and defensive line look uniform. You know, they are, you know, the same weight and height proportionate, whereas I remembered from some of the Rose teams, we used to see – we had a center – uh, we had a center and a guard. Uh, I think a center was like six feet, six foot, like 249, 250. A guard that was 6'1", 260. <laughs> you know, you ain't plugging on. I mean, I mean, in the NFL, they're linebackers that size, you know, <laughs> fullbacks that size. Um, I do think that Maynard has recruited some of the right players and that fit his position. So, and I'm impressed with that. Yep, no doubt. So, yeah, I mean... They, they've got a good core. They've got the good, solid lines. they got good running backs, good linebackers. They just need – I mean, no, we've seen like – I mean, I know Maynard likes to keep it balanced, but, I mean, he wants to pass the ball, right? I mean, that that's that's what he wants to do. So you got to find his quarterback or build Delmon up. I think he has the potential. Um, but it seems like until that happens, uh, that's going to stop the team from really getting over that next hump and hurdle. And, I mean, it's a big – Hurdle to climb because I mean we can already look into the future. I mean A and T is gonna be solid again. Um, Central is gonna be solid again next year. Howard is on the come up with uh, with their guy. So I mean you know the conference is moving, man. So we we gotta keep moving with it and and try and win something here. So yeah, I, yeah, the conference is moving. Um, a and T ain't going nowhere. Central ain't going anywhere. Howard, I do think you know they are an up and coming program with Mike London. But I'm gonna be honest though, you know, how long is Mike London gonna be there, or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, does he have his eyes on something else? And to be honest, you know, I mean, hey, I mean, he did take a pay cut to go there. I live across the street from it, so. Ah. Let's hope he yeah. stays. I mean, you know, like sometimes, how do we say this? Sometimes you got to come home, right? Even though he's, I don't know if he's an HBCU product, but you know, nah, he's not. You, but you know, maybe he likes it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, University of Richmond, UVA, Howard. You know, a lot of academics and those folks. You know, kind of find their home at HBCUs and 
stay there. Some leave. So yeah, it'll that'll be interesting to see how if he can stay. I would stay. Shoot, if he if he if he saved his money, and because uh, if he builds Howard into a powerhouse, then yeah, then, he, he got yeah. he can write his own ticket. Yep, yeah, yep. no, I, I agree with that. I agree. Um, I would. I mean, and I remembered when I first saw him practice. Uh, I literally just, I <laughs> just have, I just walked over there, uh, walked across the street, and just took a, you know, I I saw. Then this was during the summer, and my first thought was like, oh, they're gonna be trouble. Mm. I mean, those the the talent. It wasn't even the talent. It was how they were doing it. You know, this it looked like I've been to. I used to when I worked in the media, I did go to NFL training camps, and I was like. That's exactly what he was doing. So he has an all-inclusive approach, and I was very impressed with it. I knew they were going to be trouble. I knew they were going to be better. And it just goes to show how worse of a coach or a terrible of a coach, you know, the previous coach was, you know, if he got these kids playing to this level. Mm, But Flea did not have Kalen Newton. I'll say that, too. No, that's true. (laughs) That's true, man. That's luck, boy. Yeah. Yep. Luck goes to the prepared. They're ready. They tried. They got them. So, but uh, interesting, man. Interesting stuff there. So yeah, we're on the way up. We're on the way up. So we'll, we'll see um, how we finish up here. So, man, interesting times in the Miac uh, football in general. So let's look at the Week Ten uh, scoreboard. A um, and T beat Norfolk State thirty-five to seven. Uh, that's not a shock there. Uh, things are quietly unraveling for Norfolk State. I'm sure they're still reeling from uh, the unexpected uh, uh, shooting um, of their um, uh, defensive player, their freshman uh, from Richmond. So I'm sure that's just kind of ruined the whole season. Um, Howard beat Florida A&M 37-26. to Newton again, 294 passing yards. I think he was the national uh, freshman, uh, FCS freshman player of the week. So he was recognized for that. Um, Bethune-Cookman beat Morgan State 41-28. to Larry Bram on his senior day had 354 yards passing, man. So he went nuts. And then the game of the week, Delaware State lost to Savannah State 35-21. to So... I don't really know what to say about that game, man. Any of these games pique your interest, man? <laughs> well, I'm just going to say that, you know, Delaware State beat South Carolina State and then turns around and loses to Savannah State. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, uh, North uh, I would just say FAMU, you know, I thought that they would probably would take Howard down to the wire, you know, since it was at home. But, you know, hey, just goes to show you, Howard did, uh, I think, uh, beat FAMU, I think was a couple years back in Bragg. So, you know, it's not, I mean, that's not new to Howard. So, uh, so no, no, it's just basically, it's just a hodgepodge, you know, season, you know, at the bottom, you know, because Delaware State, who we thought would be better, lost to Savannah State. But Savannah State, who we thought would be, you know, where they were, beat Delaware State. So, you know, it's all, it's, Everything is basically relative. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. So from the scoreboard, let's take a look at the standings. So A&T is first place, 6-0, and uh, 8-9-0 and overall. So this is like a historic season for them. And the cool thing about A&T season is that 
it wasn't all done against crappy opponents. I mean, they went out and they beat a FBS team, even though they're relatively new. Still, they beat Charlotte and they beat Gardner Webb. So they didn't just beat up on patsies, man. They've been kicking everybody's ass. So um, their start is impressive. Um, for, coming up next, we have Central and Howard both tied at five and one. And then we are tied with Bethune Cookman at four and two. So, man, um, and then everyone else after that, Norfolk State three and three, and then the rest of the losers uh, after that, um, losers record wise, they all have losing records in the MIAC. Um, so, just a quick thought about the playoffs, man. Um, it looks like A and T is pretty much a lock to go to the Celebration Bowl, even if they lose the Central, as long as they win this weekend against Savannah State. Because of their overall record, they'd be tied with Central. I think, um, I think I'm right here that North Carolina's A&T will, is almost a shoe in to go to the Celebration Bowl. But who is next in line to get a playoff berth? I think the second place MEAC school, based on precedent, um, will get a playoff berth. So in all likelihood, that's looking like Central. Howard or Bethune-Cookman, or even us at an outside shot. But do you think any of those teams deserve a playoff spot or will, or will even make one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do think that uh, Central deserves a shot. Howard definitely deserves a shot um, because they, uh, Howard did beat a, uh, a, F, uh, a FBS program. Um, I also, but let me just talk about a t you know. I mean, they are a very good team. You know, and I do think Grambling is a good team too because they will probably meet Grambling in the uh, at the Celebration Bowl if they go. But I mean, I just and I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm straddling both fences because I'm a Pan Africanist, so I always feel, you know, let us have our own little party, which is a Celebration Bowl, which I'm cool with. I'm all for it, but at the same time, though, they are too good of a team for us just to limit themselves just to be in a Celebration Bowl. You know, so. I think that they should – I wish they, they could go and play in the playoffs, you know, and, you know, show what they are made of, you know. I mean, we did see them lose to Richmond, uh, was it last year? But I kind of felt like they just probably just melded in anyway because maybe some of the players just wanted to play in the uh, Celebration Bowl. And they were hurt too. But, they didn't have everybody, – everybody wasn't healthy for that Richmond game either. Yeah, absolutely. So – my whole thing is, though, um, I do think Central will get a shot. I think Howard probably, you know, I would say it'd be about a 40% chance if they do get in the shot. Um, if we went out, we ain't getting no shot. <laughs> no, we you might. Know? We might. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if we went out, right, we will be, uh, what's that, 7-4? and four? No, that four losses yeah. is tough, man. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and if they do, they're sending us North Dakota State anyway. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that or, ain't or like James Madison or something like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. We got pride to we got pride to not get beat up like that. So, <laughs> nah. yeah. So what it falls to Central or Howard with that? Yeah, I don't think I don't know about Bethune. Yeah, Central or Howard, pretty much. Are, are the are yeah. chances there? Okay, we'll see. I hope I want. I think one of them going to make it. Yeah, I, I think so. So, uh, but along those lines, man, let's look at the schedule this week. We got Norfolk State at Howard. Uh, the way 
those two teams are rolling. Howard's won four in a row. Norfolk State has lost two in a row. This should be an, uh, a win for Howard. We got Savannah State at A&T. A&T, if they keep the pedal to the metal, they should win this game. Uh, see, we are at South Carolina State. We should win that game because South Carolina State's offense is is beyond bad. It's terrible. Um, so we should hopefully be able to put some points on the board. And then the game of the week, I think, is Bethune at Central. So, I mean, that game is kind of for, it's almost like a little playoff game, really. Because um, if Central wins this game, they are almost assured a playoff spot. If Bethune wins this game, they kind of keep themselves alive for a playoff spot. So, I mean, both of them, are, both teams are playing for a whole lot uh, in this game. And then we got Morgan State at Delaware State. That's a toss-up, man. Delaware State, sometimes they play, sometimes they don't. So, some interesting matchups. Um, but what do you think about that Bethune and Central game? You know what? Um, no. No. Uh, I just, <laughs> but no, I mean, they're playing in O'Kelly Riddick Stadium. No, but I mean, we almost beat Bethune at home. So I, I don't see Central losing, um, taking their focus off of this game. Um, uh, Norfolk State, Howard, uh, I, I don't see it. You know, Howard is just too strong and they've already shown it. I do think that Delaware State and Morgan State is pretty much a toss up. I do think Morgan State pretty much would have a, a slight advantage, but they are playing in Dover. So, no, I, I think that all the games will go as predicted this week. Yep, yep, I agree. So, moving on to this week's game against the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Very disappointing year for the Bulldogs. Um, nobody really pre predicted them to win anything, but at least you think a buddy team would be more competitive uh, and and would be have a better uh, record than what they have. Um, so they are two and six. They are currently on a three-game losing streak. They've lost. Damn, they lost one two. Five of their last six. So they are in free fall. And hopefully we can continue that free fall um, uh, by beating them this weekend. So there's really not much to really go into here. The Bulldog offense is terrible. One of the worst I've seen from a Buddy Pugh team. Uh, and one of, and just one of the worst in the MIAC. But the defense is great. They have a championship defense led by their middle linebacker, who for some reason his name just escaped me. But he is the closest thing that we've seen in the MEAC to a Justin Durant. Um, so he is a game changer. Darius Leonard, um, 6'3", 235. So he's a prototype uh, linebacker. So he can change the game. Um, they've got players at every level of the defense, defensive line, Secondary, I mean, they're just a stacked defense, um, so they're going to give us trouble there. Uh, but offensively, they struggle. Special teams, not much well going on there, so I think we just have to move the ball and, and score. And I think Hampton wins this game if they score points. And Because uh, our defense is good as they don't have the, the, the sheer, like, game changers. As, you know, when you look at some of um uh, South Carolina State defensive players, you could see like, all right, this guy's a pro. We don't have those, but we have a good scheme and we play together and we can be just as effective as a unit. So I think our defense should be able to shut down their offense 
and will outscore them. And I'm predicting a Hampton win. Uh, sort of like 17. I'm assuming we make a field goal 17 to 7. I mean, that's that's what this one is sort of feeling like to me. Uh, what's your thoughts on this game after night? Well, I will say that uh, their quarterback, Dewan Ford, <laughs> oh, man, uh, he is, and I've said this before, you know, this kid's built like a running back. You know, I've never seen a, run, a running back play quarterback. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like watching, um, if I had to guess, you know, uh, like Le'Veon Bell play quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just it just doesn't work. He only has six touchdowns for the year. And I just think that um, for some reason, uh, Buddy Pugh's offense, you know, normally he always has a, a pretty efficient offense, but he just has not had it this year. I think them losing Caleb York, you know, was a was a big uh, a big uh, setback for their program. Um, with that being said, you know, they're probably going to run the ball a lot more. You probably see a lot of. Um, you probably see a lot what they're known for. You know, Buddy Pugh loves to run those trap plays. You know, he does love to run off tackle, you know, because he always has a – he always keeps a big, squatty uh, uh, pulling guard, you know, on mm-hmm. on, on the roster. And he, they've been doing that. They've been doing that for years. So um, I do think that um, we'll see a lot of uh, – we'll see a lot of those plays. But we'll also um, – on defense, you know, the defense is, you know, is pretty much what I would say, keep us at bay. I do think that, you know, they can't hold out, you know, the whole game. So I do think that uh, if we continuous play with Shai McKenzie, you know, I would say send them up the, the, the A gap or the B gap, you know, let them, you know, let them get up to those linebackers. And, you know, that will wear them down enough that, you know, we'll probably be able to put Yaki out in the, uh, out in the flat or, you know, off tackle or let them run a couple of sweet plays, you know. And I do think that we'll probably tire them out and we'll probably get up to, I would say, at least about, I would say just like you, about 14 points. But I would say 16 points because we will probably miss a field goal in there. And I do think that uh, they will probably get two touchdowns, you know. Uh, Now just probably be, you know, them just playing absolute hard and they have home field advantage. So I do say that we'll probably win 16-14, and, you know, it will probably be the difference of our defense uh, and their anemic offense. Yep, yep, sounds about right. Sounds about right. So should be an interesting game there. So a opening week in Pirate basketball. Um, this Friday, the women open up at uh, UNC in Chapel Hill. I'll be at that game. It's Thursday, Friday at 3.30. So uh, every now and then, Six uh, pulls out some of these wins against power teams. Uh, UNC, their women's team is good. They are your typical uh, ACC team. They're going to be big, and they're going to have some girls that can shoot, and they're going to have some girls that will cross you over and, and break your ankles. So um, and we know what we're going to see with them. But I think we... Uh, this will be a good game to see where the, the ladies uh, stack up, uh, integrating some new pieces in uh, sixes this year. So um, it'll see how interesting, how quickly they can get off the ground. But uh, this game may be competitive. So I'll, I'll be there to see, at least to see, you know, how they stack up and you see what kind of set. We know what the sets are going to run, but you see how they play together and see, um, you know, what the team is looking like. So 
check out the ladies Friday and then uh, Friday as well. The men open up at Ryder, I think at eight o'clock. Um, that'll be online, so I may even pull that up and watch that online. I'm the ladies are picked to uh, number one in the MIAC, and the men are number three. But um, I'm expecting a big year for the men, so hopefully they can start fast at Ryder. So. Which one of these games is the most interesting here tonight? Well, I'll start, of course, with I would say with the women. You know, I am very, very uh, excited to see them play. Uh, oh, God, man. They, um, I know Captain Silver, you know, always talks about Mahaley Hope. And, <laughs> and, you know, all of these, you know, I think that's his, you know, he, you know, he's very high on her. And then, you know, I'm high I'm high on them too. I'm high on Jeffany Brown. And, you know, we really have some good players on uh, the, the women's team. I do think that they will I, – I mean, I wouldn't say – I did say they reloaded somewhat. But I will also say that, you know, Coach Six is going to – he always coaches up talent. So I do think that we'll probably see them struggle a little bit, you know, early in the season. But I think they will probably hit their home stride, I would say, after about third or fourth. No, I'll, I'll even go a little bit further, I'll say, after the sixth game. Um, as far as the men is concerned, though – Oh, man, we got a bevy of talent that's coming in. Yo, they you know, loaded, man. The team is loaded, man. <laughs> and I, and the, fact, the fact of the matter is that, you know, you know everybody, uh, give, they give them a fourth-place ranking. And you know what? I can take that because I want this team to stay humble. You know, I do think that we have a very good guard in Jermaine Merrow. You know, he you know still needs to kind of uh, control his, his – uh, I would say his uh, enthusiasm, you know, because he's a, you know, he is a spark plug and sometimes he can shoot you out of a game. So uh, I do, you know, of course we brought in uh, the seven foot, seven foot kid from T-Neck and Pierre Sal, you know, I do think that he probably, you know, he might not contribute this year. I do. I've heard that uh, it's been a rumor that he might be possibly red shirted, but then, you know, we got the kid out of Malik Trent that's coming in from TCU. And, you know, we got the uh, the kid that's coming from ODU as well. You know, um, uh, his name is uh, his name is uh, fleeing me. I think it's a Colbert, Austin Colbert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got, you know, we loaded. And, and we're not even talking about the kids that we got on uh, on the roster with Kalen Fisher, Trayvon Barnes, Wilson Fisher, Bracey, you know, so. I do think, I mean, I do think that we're going to be a very good team, but I also wonder how will the chemistry gel getting all these players on the same page. Yep, that's a good problem to have, and hopefully uh, uh, I'm expecting Joyner to be able to handle that. Here's my secret weapon for this year, um, and that's A.J. Astroth. So, oh, yeah. Um, he was injured, man, so um, it took him basically all, from my eyes, it took him all year to really get in shape and get over that torn ACL, which is what I think he had. But at the end of the season, man, he was balling. Um, a nice little secret weapon we had. So he started out at Vanderbilt and he got injured. And uh, that was pretty much it for him there. But um, I think, man, if he if he's healthy, um, he is going to be a dominant weapon for the Pirates. So, I mean... It's a nice five, and they probably got a good four coming, four to five coming off the bench. I mean, they're, it's going to be an exciting season basketball-wise for the Pirates. So check them out this Friday at Ryder, and uh, we'll hopefully be here next week to break down uh, some initial uh, 
um, results from the men and women basketball team. So, Ellie, anything else here tonight? Uh, anything else we, we, we could touch on this week, or, or that's pretty much it? You know what? I think you did uh, touch on everything. Oh, we do got to give a shout-out to Alabama A&M for taking the knee um, during the national anthem. And I'll just say this about Alabama A&M. It's the fact that only they're the only HBCU to take a daggone knee. You know, that's a daggone shame, man. man. Even I would say this. Even at Howard, they play Lift Every Voice and Sing. And they do throw the fists in the air. I think you some know. of the cheerleaders have been been um, a little more demonstrative uh, with their throughout throughout. But yeah, no, I can't. I don't think any football teams have really done anything conservative. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they don't want you. You know, it's like uh, it's like that scene in Malcolm X where you remember they're in the train and he called the. <laughs> I guess the train or whoever the conductor who came in there and he called him Mr. Charlie and you know and he was like Mr. Cooper <laughs> and you were and they would just say and the porters would say what's wrong with your boy he's good white folk boy you just you know it's just like but this is the whole thing you know it's like these kids don't want to lose their scholarships I wouldn't either so at the end of the day don't lose them you can protest quietly just. In your mind, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, so. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't hold much uh, against them, uh, but more power, and, like you said, for A and M for for uh, being open to certain uh, protests, yeah. to this protest, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, Doctor Harvey don't play that. Oh, so. man, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Jerry Jones. Y'all will stand for that, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah Jerry- and uh, that is an inside thing for all you uh, listeners, uh, Jerry Jones. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And go Pirates. Go Pirates.